electronic device with your Bible. Let's hold it up. I'm a child of God. Have in my hand. Powerful Word of God. Can change lives. Heal broken hearts. Save man's soul. Lord Jesus, today, speak to me. In Jesus' name, amen. And I turn to your neighbor and just say, so glad you're here. Thank you. I'm glad to be here too. <laughs> uh, we're going to be in Luke chapter 2 today, so if you have your Bibles you held up, look, let's get over there to Luke chapter 2, verses uh, 1 through 20. Christmas is a wonderful time of the year. Christians celebrate uh, as we think about God sending His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, into the world to die for our sins. It's a time for family gatherings, large, delicious meals, a time for trees, tinsel, lights, Christmas songs. Uh, I was listening to the radio the other day and heard um, Bing Crosby sing White Christmas. Now, sorry, just nobody does it better, <laughs> right? And, um, you know, and for a brief moment you think, I can sing as good as them, and so you start singing with them, and you know, you, you, you know how it goes. But the music, it's a time for giving, it's a time for receiving. It's a time when we all stop and reflect on the reason why we have the season of Christmas in the first place. It's a time for thanksgiving and appreciating the people that God has placed in your life. For others, however, Christmas is a time of loneliness and sorrow and they deal with heartbreak. They miss those who are no longer here. For others, Christmas is painful because they lack the resources to give to the people that they love, the things that they want them to have. And for many, it's a time of overindulgence in rich foods and overspending on gifts and overcoming the problems associated with the season and attempting to overcompensate for the failures of the past year. Christmas is a time of celebration, especially at the church. It doesn't matter that Jesus was probably born some other time of the year. It doesn't matter whether it's spring, summer, fall, or winter. What matters is that God loved the world so much that He sent His precious Son into this world that sinners might be saved from their sins, from the wrath of God, and from the fiery pits of hell. And around the church, we celebrate. We sing hymns. Christmas songs, preach Christmas sermons, Christmas nightmares, <laughs> teach Sunday school lessons, and we have Christmas plays. I don't know about you, but I love Christmas plays at church. They aren't professional, though I have it on good authority that this year's play will rival any Broadway production you might see. And come next Sunday morning, you'll find out. As the workers and the helpers have screamed and prayed and prayed and screamed and prayed and passed out and <laughs> they'll get up there and they'll just tell the message of Jesus in a wonderful way. And we'll respond, amen. Like we do. And they'll they'll sit back and go, God, we can do this another year. <laughs> but what I love about Christmas plays in the church is that they preach the gospel 
lost people might for the very first time hear the saving message of Jesus. I'm excited about that. Always am. And my favorite part of the Christmas play is the nativity scene, even though it arises and shows itself in different ways. We have one over here on display. I want to thank Sherry Blair and and Geneva for uh, decorating for us this year. And uh, we didn't do a whole lot, but you don't need a whole lot. But I love that nativity scene. Uh, We had someone donate it to us some years ago, and we've somehow preserved it. Uh, We've had a chipped ear on a donkey or something like that, but about a lamb, is that what it was? But it's such a blessing to see that nativity scene year in and year out. And you know the part where Mary and Joseph come out and they place baby Jesus in the manger? There's a star overhead. We're reminded of the humble surroundings of our Savior's birth. The shepherds arrive. Angels appear. The wise men make an appearance. Small children dressed as sheep, donkeys, and cows. You know, they show up in a, in a kid's play, Christmas play, and they'll do that uh, and, and portray that nativity scene. And the nativity scene is simple. But it reminds us of a profound truth. We celebrate the moment when God became flesh and walked among men. We celebrate the love and the grace of God who willingly laid aside His heavenly glory to be born in the humblest of circumstances so that lost people like us could be saved. Everything we place in the nativity and every person represented in the nativity glorifies the Savior. And when we see the nativity, we find humor. You know, sometimes when kids dress up as Mary and Joseph or an animal, there's some humor in, in a cow that one of the kids will come out dressed as. They wiggle and pull their costume up over their head and, or maybe even make sounds that they shouldn't make. But I hope that when you see the nativity, you see a constant reminder that God loved us enough to send Jesus. And when Jesus came, His ultimate purpose was to die. But hallelujah, to rise again. There's only one problem with the nativity as I see it. And I'm giving this some thought. There are some things missing from the nativity. And that's what I want to spend the rest of our time this morning talking about is some of the things that maybe are missing from the nativity. When you think of the nativity, you think of worship. The angels worshipped him in Luke 2. The shepherds worshipped him in Luke 2. Also the wise men worshipped him in Matthew 2. And the animals in their own way worshipped him according to Romans 1, uh, 19. So we the people involved in the nativity scene, and that's about as far as our minds can go, we come away with the impression that Jesus died for people who love Him, that He came into the world to give us life for the good people among us. But there are forgotten pieces of the Christmas story, and we need to remember at Christmas and throughout the year, it is Jesus didn't come to the world to die for people who loved Him. He didn't come for that, those people. He came for the people who don't love Him. Who didn't love Him. Who didn't care for Him. According to Mark 2 and verse 17, 
It says, they that are whole have no need of the physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. You see, Jesus came and was born in the manger in the nativity scene. He came not for those of us that love Him, but for those of us that hated Him so that we would eventually love Him. So I want to talk about who we left out of the nativity besides the folks I've mentioned that are there. There's a few, five to be exact, who we left out. Let, let's get started. Number one, we leave out the, the ignorant. The ignorant. The first missing person that we should consider is in Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 6, is a man named Caesar Augustus. It tells us that Caesar Augustus ordered a taxing of his kingdom. Caesar Augustus was the nephew of Julius Caesar and his successor. He chose the name Augustus as a tribute to his greatness. Our month August is named after him. Augustus ordered his people to be taxed. It simply means that they were taking a census. We wanted to... He wanted to know how many people were in his kingdom. Probably did this to prepare for a tax that he would later re- levy to raise revenue. Obviously, if the government doesn't have enough money, there's a tax that needs to be levied. Amen. What's wrong with you people? You don't pay enough taxes now. You need to pay more. What's wrong with you? We're going to tax cigarettes $9 million a month. Just get ready. Well, those of us that don't smoke, we say that's fine. Well, we're going we're gonna to put a tax of $19 million every two days on drug abuse. Well, amen. Those of us that don't have drug abuse. And then he has the audacity to say, those of us that eat at buffet lines, you're going to be taxed $74 million a day. Wait, hold on. Blasphemy, blasphemy. See, the tax only... Is a problem if it's levied toward me in my area of life. Amen? <laughs> Caesar saw himself as a god. Every Roman citizen was required to offer a pinch of incense upon a burning altar and worship him once a year. I'm sure they pinched some things and put on a burning fire. <laughs> what Augustus did not know was that the one true and living God was using this poor, ignorant Roman to accomplish his ultimate will. And what Augustus did not know was that God was using him, the ruler of the most powerful empire in the world, to accomplish God's will and to fulfill prophecy. You see, God uses people and situations at certain times to accomplish what he needs. Look at Galatians chapter 4. Verses 4 and 5, it says, But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. See, it goes back in the Garden of Eden, according to Genesis 3.15, God promised Adam and Eve that He would send a Savior into the world. And so He worked that plan all throughout history. But at a certain time, it was time. And so he sent a baby to be born in a manger. Now, it's really important to understand the blessings that came because of the Roman Empire. And there's five of them. Some of those 
conditions that helped the good news spread are, number one, was the Roman law. They protected Paul and others as they traveled the Roman world and preached the gospel. Secondly, was the Roman peace. Lack of wars in the Roman Empire allowed the apostles and others, other early believers to travel freely without fear. Thirdly, was Roman roads. Excellent Roman roads. Some still in use today. And then, I said five, there's four actually. Four. The fourth is the Greek language. The language of Greece was the most common language in the world at that time. And it was a perfect language for the spread of the gospel. Greek is an expressive language and allowed deep truth to be explained in great detail. So when Augustus issued his decree, he did not know that he was also being used by God to fulfill another ancient prophecy, according to Micah chapter 5 and verse 2. It says, But you, Bethlehem Ephratah, though you be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall he come forth unto me that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from old. From everlasting. Because the families of Joseph and Mary were from Bethlehem, the command to be counted forced them to travel to Nazareth, to Bethlehem where Jesus was to be born. You see, it all comes and all culminates in God's plan, in God's timing. And what I want you to take away from this, if nothing else, is that God has a plan for your life and a time for that to happen in your life. Be patient. Be patient. My grandmother used to say, when God's done with you, He'll take you. I said, that's it? She goes, that's it. So when God's done with you, He'll take you. So just get over yourself. Thinking you're really important. You're only important in the hands of Almighty God. And what God can do with that. So Jesus comes into the world to save people, just like Augustus. According to Ephesians 2, He came to save the dead, the deceived, the depraved, and the doomed. (laughs) So, we tend to leave out the ignorant at the nativity. Secondly, we leave out the indifferent. According to Luke chapter 2 and verse 7, it introduces us to this other group of people. It says, because there was no room for them in the inn. So the innkeeper. We leave out the indifferent, the innkeeper. And people like him. In the, in the ancient Middle East, they're not, they weren't like the modern hotels we have today. I mean, the Holiday Inn Express today would rival anything that was high class back in the Middle East. Usually it had an open courtyard surrounded by an enclosure with awnings and other shelters where people could bed down for the night. And it provided travelers with a little bit of safety and rest for their travels. The innkeeper would be paid by the traveler for a place to stay. And it then was his duty to provide the lodgers with food, drink, and shelter. That was the extent of it. And the inn at Bethlehem was an ancient inn. It had been, it had been in business a long time. Named after a friend of King David, according to Second Samuel. Jeremiah stayed at this inn when he was kidnapped. Taken to Egypt, according to Jeremiah 41. So when Joseph arrives in Bethlehem with a very pregnant Mary, the innkeeper turned them away because the inn was already filled with visitors and travelers. He showed indifference. Acted as though he didn't care. He did point out, however, over there a little cave where the animals were tied up that 
maybe they could make that work. But the bottom line is the innkeeper was unmoved by Mary's situation. I mean, he could have given up his bed, right? But he was indifferent. The innkeeper is much like many today who are just simply indifferent. How many times have they heard the Word of God preached? How many times have they been encouraged to come to church? How many times have they been shared, has the gospel been shared with them and salvation has been pled to them and they've been prayed for and prayed over and prayed through and prayed up? And yet, only to say it doesn't apply to me. It applies to somebody else. I don't have time. Oh, one of these days, I'm going to get around to it. <laughs> you know what a round to it is, don't you? It's a little, little round wood piece of, wood piece you carry in your pocket. It's a round to it. But he died so that people who were indifferent could come to know him. I mean, Jesus understood what he was facing in John 1, verse 11. says, He came to his own, his own received him not. But he came anyway. <laughs> he came anyway. Died to save the indifferent from their sins. They are part of the whosoever for whom Jesus died. John 7, uh, 37. It's in the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. Yes. So we leave out the ignorant, we leave out the indifferent, and then we leave out, thirdly, the incredulous or the skeptical, according to verses 15 through 18 of Luke 2. Because they introduce us to this group, and it's the shepherds. And I was intrigued when I thought about this. Shepherds heard the message of the angels, and they went as fast as they could to Bethlehem to see the baby. And when they saw him, they believed the message of the angel, and then they worshipped the Lord, it says they returned to the sheep. That's the extent. They return to the sheep. Okay. It's kind of like Chevy Chase's vacation when they see the Grand Canyon. He goes, okay. And they move on. <laughs> it says that they wondered in verse 18. That word means to be impressed or to marvel, being astonished by something. They were amazed that a group of dirty, vile shepherds are moving through the streets of Bethlehem, praising God and preaching about the coming Messiah. And the people who heard the story, it says, were amazed. The Messiah has been born in Bethlehem. He's come as a baby and He is just over there in the manger, they were saying. They heard the story. It impressed them, but they never went to see if it was fully true. How sad. I know a lot of people like that, don't you? They see changes in people's lives. They see and they hear it. They, they witness it themselves. But it doesn't make a difference. We preach the gospel. We tell the world that Jesus loves them and only for them to spit, spit it back in our face and say, oh well. Oh well. Salvation was available for the rich young ruler. Remember that story? But because he couldn't give up the world, he lost out on Jesus. He was not willing to pay the price. And I meet people all the time who don't want to come to the Lord for whatever reason. So I ask them, give me three. Give me three reasons how your life has to change before you can come to the Lord. And usually they say, friends, i got to change friends. Well, you need to change them anyway if you think you do. 
you got to give them up, then you might as well change them now. It's going to help you out whether you're a Christian or not. And then they usually give a couple other lame brain answers. Which are all lame. It's all lame. Because when it finally comes down to it, and Jesus steps out on the on the and the and the scroll, the sky rolls back like a scroll, and Jesus steps out, and the trump of God sounds. It's going to be too late. You're going to be crying. Oh, let me come down. In fact, the Bible says that we'll be crawling for rocks to fall on us. You'll be crawling in holes, hiding from the almighty power of God. But those of us that know Him, we will be singing and rejoicing and sprouting our wings to fly. And the saddest sight of all is when we look down one last time to see that loved one who never would come. That that loved one who had it all together and who has a chip on their shoulder and they're never going to accept God except on my terms. That's the way I'm going to do it. Well, then you die and go to hell just like that. Because you will. Or submit and find the release and the joy that only the Lord can bring. Seek the Lord while He may be found. Call you upon Him while He's near. Isaiah 55, 6. I invite you to stop simply marveling at the message. I invite you to come to Jesus Christ for salvation today. You are why He came. You are why He died. And you are why He rose again. <laughs> Acts 16.31 And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved and your house. So we leave out the ignorant, we leave out the indifferent, we leave out the incredulous. Two more real quick. We leave out the self-righteous. Self-righteous. Who are the self-righteous? Well, they're the religious leaders. They're the religious leaders of the day. See, they were blind to who Jesus was. They were so blind to the truth that they failed to see it. When they saw it with their own eyes, they they couldn't believe it. Just simply couldn't believe it. In Luke 2, verse 21. Consider these chief priests and scribes summoned by Herod in Matthew 2 and when the wise men arrived in Jerusalem following the star, they, they, they said, was leading them to where they would find the king of the Jews. Well, Herod, he wanted to make sure that he worshipped this same king. <laughs> the one that we talked about earlier, that was prophesied earlier. But these religious leaders, they were amazing guys. Boy, they could spout out Scripture. They could tell you how to live. But then to practice it themselves, well, that's a whole new ballgame. They were so self-righteous. Wow. So self-righteous. They wouldn't give up any of their rituals to worship the true and living God. You know anybody like that? Well, yeah, I'd love to get up on Sunday, but it's the only day I've got to sleep in. Gotcha. I work six days a week. Sunday's my only day off. So I need to spend some time just regenerating myself. I can worship God out at the lake fishing. Yep. Yeah, you can. 
I can worship God sitting on the side of a tree in the dead of winter with snow falling on a seat that's not any bigger than the seat that God put on my body. But boy, I can sit up there camouflage and look like a tree and worship God. Yes, you can. So my question is, how much worship do you do on the side of a tree on a seat that's not big enough for you to sit on camouflage looking like a tree? I mean, you're strapped in. Isn't it funny? You climb up on the side of a tree and strap yourself onto the tree. I love the one where the hunter's out there and he's falling asleep and the deer's looking over the deer blind going. It's a great picture, isn't it? Second Timothy 3, 5 says, They have developed a form of godliness but lack the power thereof. Oh, my goodness. Saul of Tarsus, a religious man. Oh, my goodness. Oh, he was religious. He is what I think today we see in the Muslim world. They believe they are following the religious call of God in their life to kill you and me. They believe it. But they're believing the wrong God. Just like he was. And God had to get his attention. And he did. Acts 9 verses 1 through 9 talks about that. Gives that story. 1 Timothy 1, 12-15 Some of my favorite verses. And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who hath enabled me for that. He counted me faithful, putting me into ministry, who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious. But I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. Then the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. Here it is. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all exception that Christ Jesus came into the world to save the sinners of whom I am the chief. Oh, Paul understood after he was converted what it meant to be a follower of Christ. Paul didn't mention his achievements. He didn't mention any of his list of commendations. He just simply saw himself as a sinner saved by the grace of God. There are so many who have convinced themselves that they are right with God, but yet they're still lost. Titus 3, 5 says, Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit. We need to let the Lord do a changing work in each of us. So we leave out the ignorant, the indifferent, the incredulous, the self-righteous, and then lastly, we leave out the wicked. The one person at the nativity scene that you never see is King Herod. King Herod. Also known as Herod the Great, and a very wicked man. He was half Jewish and half Edomite. So he was a half Jew, a half Gentile, and the Jews had little use for him. He served as the king, but he was under the control of the Roman emperor. And in an effort to win the favor of the Jews and to maintain peace in his kingdom, he spent 46 years and an enormous sum of money turning the Jewish temple into a place of beauty and splendor, trying to buy favor. King Herod was also a very cruel man. He had wives and sons and he had them put to death because he felt like they were after his power. This is my daughter over here. Her name's Tegan. And I think she's after me. (laughs) No more. She's gone. That's how he thought. If he thought you were out to get him, you were no longer with him. 
it's this cruel, self-centered murderer that the wise men approached to find the person called the king of the Jews. Now you know why he wanted to know where he was so he could come and worship him also. He was a jealous man. Jealous of his position and power. Afraid that somebody was going to have more of it than he did. What a tragedy. Yet our world is filled with self-centered, cruel people. They need to know that Jesus died to save them too. He died for people like King Herod and soldiers that carried out his orders. He died for abortionists. He died for serial killers. He died for murderers. He died for drunks, drug addicts, homosexuals, lesbians, and thieves. He died for ruthless people who do not, who do everything in their power to hold on to the things that they possess. He died for the people who will step on anyone to get what they want. He died for those who do not care about the feelings of uh, or needs of others. He died for the mean, hateful people who rub shoulders with, uh, with with us each and every day. He died for the wicked, the sinful people who do as they please with no thought for anybody else. Jesus died for people like Adam Lanza who walked into that school in Connecticut and murdered 20 First graders and six adults. He died for the members of Westboro Baptist Church who protest at funerals and carry signs that say God hates fags and thank God for dead soldiers. They're as cruel as they come, but Jesus died for them. He died for those who can think of no one but themselves. He died for politicians, bankers, and stockbrokers. He died for teachers, homemakers, and truck drivers. He died for pastors and deacons and Sunday school teachers. He died for sinners. And that includes every one of us. Mark 10.45 For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered to, but to minister and to give His life a ransom for many. 1 Corinthians 15, For I delivered unto you the first of all that which I was I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture, and that He was buried and that He rose again on the third day according to the Scripture. Romans 5, 6, and 8, For when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet uh, for adventure for a good man should uh, some would even dare to die. But God commands His love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. A world filled with people, wicked, hateful, sinful people, according to Romans 3.23. He entered that world and did it so you and I could be saved. So our annual kids program is next Sunday. Hope you'll be here. And as you watch the kids, kind of glance over to the nativity. And don't forget that there are people, there are people who need Jesus and need Him desperately. But maybe you're one of them. Maybe you're one of them. Father, I ask you this morning to just simply do a mighty work in us today. There are people in this room that need to be saved. There are people in this room that don't know He's their Savior. Never been to the water grave of baptism. Never called out to you repentance. Never made a confession of anything. Except how great they are. And so I'm grateful today. And just today. Maybe they've heard your message for the first time. Or the 100th time. Or the 5,000th time. And that message is that you love them.
and that you've died on the cross for them. And that if they were the only person living on the earth besides you at the time that you died on the cross, that you still would have died on the cross to save them from their sin. And the only difference would be that they would have had to drive the nails into your hands, into your feet. Press the thorn on your head. Oh, Father, forgive us. May we rejoice in the birth of your Son. May we never forget from whence we've come and the sin that we've been forgiven of and the burdens that have been lifted off of our shoulders. There's somebody here today, Lord. Would you touch their heart and help them respond in Jesus' name. Amen. Hymn of invitation. Without him, we could do nothing. Let's stand and sing together. Without